my first animal ever was in South Africa, and it was a blue wildebeest. And um, so when we were going to go over as a family, Savvy said, I want my animal, my first animal, to be the same as you, Dad. So she got a blue wildebeest, and you see this big animal in the picture that we have of her and this little teeny body She's behind so this teeny tiny girl, you know, you're a little girl. That uh, It was funny, and they were perfect with her because... I mean, my, my kids have shot and stuff. We're, we do this kind of thing. They, they shoot bows all the time. Um, guns, not as often, but they, they prepare for this, you know? Yeah. But for Savvy, uh, she was nervous, and Paul had her down on the ground, and, and this wildebeest was probably 380 yards away, so it's, it's not a short shot for a Long little girl shot. like that, yeah. you know? And uh, he was helping steady the rifle and everything, get it all set up, and she'd say, up, and he'd move it up, and she'd say, down. <laughs> Just a little down. Oh, wait, back up. And then to the left. And it was probably 45 minutes of that. Now yeah. a little to the right. And fortunately, we were all just praying this wildebeest would stay still, and, and he stayed still for long enough. Oh, and my gosh. So it, it took time and patience, and they're, they're really good at that. They, you know, they, yeah. they wanted them to have that experience, and, uh, and for Savvy, it was pretty fun for her to get that first animal. So, Do you think it was a – did it feel like a pretty – life-changing like overwhelming experience for her just being in Africa and then also harvesting an animal yeah I think you know she's young so she's still like trying to grasp it all but um even at that young age you know trying to prep them for what we're going to see and we're gonna we're gonna get to know new people and they've got a different accent and they've got you know this awesome way of speaking and and uh and then we went we took our kids to an orphanage and delivered a bunch of the meat that we had harvested. And mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the the whole hunting experience, and that we spent about two weeks there with them, we interviewed all the kids on camera, and every single one of them, separate from each other, we brought them in, and so that they couldn't hear what each other was saying. And even down to Savvy, it was there. The highlight of the trip was taking that food to the uh, kids in the orphanage and just Amazing. seeing them. And so, kind of seeing it full spectrum from the harvest to the, you know, where it was being taken to somebody that needed it, uh, in a big way. And even little savvy, you know, that was touching for her to see these kids that were her age, yeah. didn't have families and were over there helping them out. They were, they were happy kids in the orphanage though. It was interesting because they, they took us to the orphanage. We spent some time there. They danced for us. They sang to us. We danced with them. Uh, gave them some gifts, and they gave us a list of things they needed, um, and so we went and shopped for them. But it was it was stuff like socks and pencils and stuff like that. They weren't mm. asking for much, you know. Um, and then they took us to some homes that they would get adopted out to, and the homes were much worse than the orphanage. And so these kids were happy in the orphanage. They want they want to stay there actually, Crazy. you know. And there was this little kid, Byron, that came and sat on my lap, didn't want to leave. And then I got up to dance with the kids, so he sat on my wife's lap and did not want to leave my wife. And uh, my kids were like, "Let's, we got to take Byron home with us, you know? <laughs> and, and Byron's happy there, though. Like, they, he, they've got a really good orphanage and good people that are taking care of them. And, uh, but once, once they leave there, if they leave there, mm -hmm. it's, it's not great circumstances where they get adopted out to. So that was eye-opening for my kids to go and walk through these homes and yeah. that they might go stay in. And then for my kids to recognize what they have back at home. And, and that was kind of the first experience for them to be you know, that eyes wide open as to what the world is like outside of, of, uh, the, the America, you know, the United States and, and where some kids just don't have the same, yeah the same fortune as, as us. So, yeah, it's crazy. Like when Lindsay, my wife and I worked in Africa, there was a trip we brought my dad over to help us. And it was, really emotional for my dad i think because we were we had been there for working for 12 14 months and then he came over to help for a specific project mm -hmm. and it was almost like more than he could handle leaving our orphanage and going into see normal houses on the surrounding area of the wow. orphanage because it was almost the exact same scenario where the kids at our orphanage were extremely happy. And we always find that so fascinating because they have almost nothing, but they're happier than than most Americans just off the basics, which wow. is, you know, really interesting. And we always try to 
reflect on that because it's so much related to how busy we are here compared to there. There's a lot of downtime to think and process. And a lot of that downtime, you're like sitting outside in the fresh Mm -hmm. air. And so that happiness factor is really interesting. But the, the overwhelming poverty in some of those surrounding areas is, is pretty mind blowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, mud, like mud huts with with like one pot and that's kind of it. And I, I do remember though, like after experiencing that for us, it was always the same that you're kind of doing now. It was like any, any of my nieces, nephews, kids, family members that I can, that are kind of in that eight to 15 age group, I want them to go see that because I want them to see just how amazing America is and how lucky we are to have most of the things we have and have access to. And every time I got home from Africa, from like those really tough areas on the flight in, I was always like, I felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude for like standing on someone else's shoulders Mm. Like the people that set up America did such a good job compared to 99% of the rest of the world. Like you just feel so grateful for standing on their shoulders. It's crazy. Yeah, that's so true. That's incredible. We are so blessed here. And it is interesting how happy they are with with so little though. And to look at them in the orphanage, they have each other. And, you know, they may not have a lot of things, but they have those relationships. They have more time for each other. And... I think that's that was perspective that we gained over there is what we need most and what will bring most the most joy in life is having time and attention for the relationships that matter most and those kids when they're in an orphanage like that and they're treated well they don't they don't want to be apart they've they've got connection there mm-hmm. right and so um yeah and that's that's what brings me and my family the most joy is when we have time with each other you know yeah. and then we complicate it so much of the time with uh, you know, the competitive environment that we live in here in the United States and people want things. And, and obviously you want to enjoy life and and enjoy the things that we can uh, uh, afford to go and obtain, but uh, but we don't need it all, you know? Mm-hmm. We, just, we just need each other. I know. I remember sitting over in Africa once reflecting on this exact topic and there was a guy with us from America and we were talking about this exact thing that the difference you can feel right away in happiness there. And he made a comment and he said, the devil has Americans exactly where he wants them. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, he's got Americans so busy and so isolated away from community that he doesn't have to throw a lot of other factors at them to make life even more difficult because the isolation and the busyness can distract us from God. And that was pretty mind blowing. And you can see it pretty obviously now, like even just that workout we did today, like the power of being around a like-minded community and taking care of each other, like just changes the whole game. Like the energy in the room changes instantly. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. That's true, and uh, we've got a program we run at Mountain o- in the Mountain Ops Gym. We sponsor it. We don't run it, but it's called Connect and Conquer, and it's all about that, bringing people together and uh, removing the distraction but being with each other and conquering things together, um, lifting one another. We always say at Mountain Ops, they rise highest to lift as they go, and and uh, so that's part of the program we have there, but it's connections that matter most that uh, – that we should spend our time in for sure. But uh, yeah, we're busy people. Mm-hmm. And I think people complain about not having enough time for, you know, things. And and I, uh, I definitely think that the God who gives us the time we have knows the time we need. Our problem is that we prioritize the wrong way and we exhaust our efforts and our energy and the wrong things. And if we could just figure out how to prioritize and especially him at, at the top of that prioritization list, then, uh, then, then we'll be okay. But mm-hmm. uh that's interesting insight that guy told you there in Africa, but yeah, it's, it takes like a constant intentional focus for sure. I did want to dive in for sure on conquer hunger with you and just kind of back up and 
what I really was interested in is when did the idea start for Conquer Hunger and kind of can you walk me through the very first one you ever did and kind of how you got that off the ground? Yeah, the event started a couple years after we um, started Mountain Ops, but the Conquer Hunger itself and kind of the origins of it um, started prior to that, you know, while my wife and I were suffering through some financial difficulties ourselves. And I don't know if you want me to jump back as far as that and yeah, that'd be awesome. where that started and how it originated. But, you know, in, in 2007, we started off onto our own in our own businesses. We, um, for, for a few years, um, worked for my brother selling pharmaceuticals and had saved up enough money to ultimately go out and do what we wanted to do, which was start our own business. And we found a few opportunities that piqued our interest. One was in real estate. And had I known what was coming in 2008, I would have ran the other direction. But we invested in a few deals. And then we also invested in a franchise and, and kind of went big into that franchise. Um, shouldn't have gone as big as we went because a few months after opening up the retail stores that we bought into it, uh, the franchise was shut down and we were in a world of hurt financially and uh, uh, just as quick, it felt like faster than we um, had gotten them up and running, it was shutting down. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ego got in the way. I didn't want people to know I'd failed that quickly. Um, and some things were out of our control. But the one thing that wasn't in that, that was in our control was how many franchises we opened. We opened up seven, which meant we had to, you know, inventory seven stores, build out seven stores, hire seven people to run those stores, sign personal guarantees on five-year leases for those locations. It was all in Las Vegas, and and uh, and so we had a lot leveraged out there and a lot of liabilities that ultimately those those landlords started putting liens on our home and such and so we went into foreclosure and default letters that were being delivered to our house on a regular basis house up for auction uh, and then a series of medical conditions with one of our daughters that left us with like these medical bills and a oh, mi- mishap in, in our insurance left her uninsurable so we were we just had kind of the odds stacked against us and during all that without paying mortgage and stuff we we just had the bare necessities and so it was food we were trying to just provide for our children. And we started going into our, our own food storage that we had built up. We built up a food storage that we thought we'd use for a natural disaster. And it yep. was actually for our personal disaster. We were cracking our own wheat and <clears throat> oh, mixing it in and everything to make things last longer. And and that was good to learn and everything. But we were we were climbing some mountains that were pretty difficult. And and as a father, I was my roles were to provide, preside and protect in my little household that I had, you know, and this little family that we were building. And and I, I felt like I was failing in most of those regards at the time. My wife never let me feel like I was failing, though. She was really the cheerleader and the support and the encouragement all along the way, which I'm super grateful for. But do you do you feel like you did you hit like a deep, low rock bottom in those years? There was there was one time in particular um, where my wife came into my home office and she fell to the floor and she was just bawling and I didn't know what was going on. And I tried to get her under control, and ultimately she she said, "I it's all gone." That's th- those are the words I could get out of her. And I said, "What what do you mean? What what's all gone?" And she said, "I just got into our bank account. It is all gone." Oh. So I went to the computer, looked it up, and sure enough, all of our money was gone. There was there was enough still there to last another few months. And mm-hmm. uh, what had happened was we banked our our business banking at the time and our personal banking were at the same bank, and. Um, there was a line of credit for our business, um, and there was a $300 payment that was missed that we didn't make a payment on, and it, it was it default. And, and after a month, instead of coming in and taking $300 out of our personal bank account, they came in and wiped our bank account clean to pay down the balance of that credit line. Jeez. And um, so I called the bank, and I just said, "What what is going on? And they said, well, you've, you've defaulted on this, so we, we've paid down the... And I said, well, take three, take $600, take $1,200. Like, don't just wipe, don't just it, wipe out. it out. Yeah. And they wouldn't reverse it. And, uh, and so I, I remember calling my dad that night, and he came over, and he brought us a $50 bill. My parents were struggling financially at the time as well, but they brought us a $50 bill and just said, get, get what you need over the weekend. On Monday, we'll... We'll go to the bank together. We'll try to figure this out. And um, my wife and I just on Saturday with that fifty dollars bought some bread, some milk, you know, <laughs> something to last for the weekend. And we didn't have a lot of groceries in the home, so it was like, okay, what what do we need? We had forty three dollars left, Crazy. and uh, that was what we had to our name. And I just I went to my wife and I said, I think we should fast 
uh, and turn to God. Like that's that's who we have. You know, we've turned to Him, but now it's 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 all we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have an opportunity through our church to to fast and make a donation to those in need. And we just decided let's give that forty three dollars as a donation for somebody that might need it more than us. And so at that time in our life, um, it was the best feeling I've ever had, just turning my last cent, my last dollar over to the Lord and just saying, okay, we're in your hands. This is where we're at. We've hit rock bottom, but we've got $43 and we've got you. We've got our faith in, in God. And we did that as a couple and we fasted for 24 hours. There were some miracles that followed that I won't get into that were just left us speechless. Some yeah. things that God did for us that was just time and time again, like our, our faith was tested and and our our and our relationship with God was just all we had, and it was the strength that we needed. Um, and so there was some rock bottom moments, um, but it was it was interesting because we always saw those as like, okay, God's trying to teach us something, and it always gave us some new eyes to see a need or to see an opportunity or whatever it was that He would place before us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were presented at that time um, with an opportunity to make a donation for $22 a month. Um, and uh, it would be some, you know, I think it would feed a kid for th- uh, 30 days in Malawi, Africa. And we're faith-based, just like we're just talking about, you know, turning to God through this. And Mountain Ops is a faith-based organization, but um, the the miracles of Jesus, like multiplying a few loaves and a few fishes, that was always like something that was on my wife and I's mind. It, that those were the miracles we turned to a lot because yep. food was on our mind. Yeah, and uh, so we made a commitment to each other, and we just said, as soon as we have a few loaves and a few fishes, not when the boat comes in full, but as few as soon as there's a few resources to work with, let's let's try to multiply them. And it wasn't necessarily for the masses; it was just. Let's try to do something good for those that are in the shoes that we're in right now. And uh, let's not wait. Um, and so it, Mount, Mountain Ops started Operation Conquer Hunger under that kind of branding and that initiative. But my wife and I made a commitment to each other while we were going through these struggles that even if it's $22, let's try to find a way to do that. And we started doing that back in, uh, it was around 2010. And we just did a $22 donation every month. And then we started to, to build that up over time as we could, as the resources build. Um, but now as we've started uh, Mountain Ops in 2014, um, I, I started putting two and two together. I always told my wife, I would love to build a business where we could feed hungry children. And I don't know how to do that, but during those struggling times, I would build out these slide decks and I'd, I'd say, hey, here's what we're going to do. And she's like, well, what are we going to sell? Like, I don't know, but we, we can figure out the res- the business is going to provide the resource and then we'll, you know, but we didn't, know wild. That, we didn't know what the business would be. That's wild because that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. And we, we, you know, I got into supplements in 2010 selling through doctor's offices and uh, we built a, a product for my dad for his heart disease. And it just, and it's, we call it Enduro, Enduro in Mountain Ops. Yeah. And it changed his life and it changed hundreds of, of thousands of people's lives now through, through Mountain Ops and through that initial business that I started selling through doctor's offices. But when we started Mountain Ops, we were going into a new realm, a new community, and it was the hunting community. And I ne- I'd never hunted before. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, coming off of seven years of famine, of, of struggle to provide for my family and to, to even have food, I was learning about hunting and how I could go out on the mountain and bring home food for my family. And that was, that intrigued me more than anything else at the time mm-hmm. because of where I was. Where you've been, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. I went out and I brought home food and I, you know, it was deer for the first time and then elk and then it was bison and now it was caribou and all these things. And I was like, I, I'm providing for my family in a unique way. And at the same time, we were providing nutrition to people, um, people that can supplement their nutrition, $200 a month sometimes, while there's children, even in our own uh, county where I live in Utah, one in four kids uh, don't have enough food in their pantry. And we, we don't even see these kids, like they're all over us. But they're we, all over. You just don't know it. Yep. But we knew because that was my family, we were the one in four. And so that those were the eyes that I needed to see that there was an actual need right around us. We could go to Malawi, Africa, and we needed to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. But we also could do something right in our own backyard, right yeah. in the community we were living in. And uh, and it just it, it applied it it it, uh, it worked so well with Mountain Ops because of the the nature of hunting and providing food, the supplementation and providing nutrition, 
and now working to provide food for children in need. And that's our, our mission at Mountainopsis uh, is to improve the lives of individuals and families in everything that we do. And if we are true to that mission, then that, that just needed to be at the forefront and needed to be something that we do. And it's a small part of what we do, but really at the heart, it's the biggest thing. It's yeah. the biggest part of who we are. And by the end of, of June of 2023, we will have donated our five millionth mill. So that's, that's where we're at. That's what we, we didn't know it would be for the masses, you know, but those resources have just multiplied and multiplied and it is, it's been for the masses now. It's 5 million kids, 5 million meals. That's insane. So, and it, that, that's been uh, the highlight of this journey for me. And it, uh, it wouldn't have come to pass. I don't feel had we not gone through what we went through, uh, it truly in life experiences and, and trials and struggles, they, they provide perspective for us and, and give us those, those unique moments to see a need that we wouldn't have seen before. And that's where we're most powerfully positioned to serve the person we once were. Mm. I, my ego was in the way to ask for help when we were going through that. But there were people that would show up and put groceries on our doorstep, or they'd show up and they'd give us a little cash that we, we might um, you know be able to use to buy groceries. That's where most of those little donations came, went to. Um, and those people, I didn't ask for it, but as I look back on that, those were people that had been in our shoes. Mm -hmm. And so the empathy that they had and they felt they could see the need without me asking. Yeah. And that's the most powerful thing about life. I think is we, we can be those that come to the other's rescue and to their need. Um, most of the time, because we can see it, um, you know, we can, we can feel it, we can see it, we can, you know, at, during those times, the weight of the world felt like it was on my shoulders as a father and. And uh, it, was, it was a struggle, and I, I tried to not let it be seen. But those that had been through it, they, they, they could see it. They could see it in my eyes. They could see it in whatever we were, you know, whatever we were doing. But um, fortunately, we had people around us that could see the need and, and supported us through that. Wow. And did you feel like there was a moment where you would, like wake up and lose your house and have to find a new place for your family. Yeah, that was, it was interesting that for two years we would almost every week we would receive, um, illegal documents, um, letting us know that <clears throat> either we were in foreclosure default, um, or that our house was up for auction. And my wife would see people taking pictures of our home and we didn't know why. And then we'd, we'd find our house online being up for auction. And I remember one specific, um, time, and I, I, Thanksgiving Day, and I can't remember the year, but we were about ready to go to my in-law's house for Thanksgiving, a day of feasting, right? You don't have to worry about food. It's going to be provided. The family's going to get together. It's a great day. And uh, 30 minutes before leaving, there's a knock on the door, and it's a lady delivering us legal documents to let us know our house to be up for auction in the coming days. Man. And I, and I looked at her, and I just said, really, on, on Thanksgiving Day... And I looked out, she had her family out in the car and she said, I'm sorry, I, you know, we're just on our way to a family get together. And Dang. she could tell right as I like gave her this look, like this wasn't the right day to do this. Um, but uh, we called the bank and I, there was this sweet lady and, and I've never seen her. I've never talked to her again, but there was this lady that just went above and beyond in her job. And there's some people that will just do the job to get the job done and maybe they could care less. I don't know. But this lady, she had the heart of gold, and she was like, I'm going to help you figure this out. Mm. And I, ha I remember I had a neighbor at the time that was losing their, their house as well, and they had to move. They, 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 had to, they, had to, um, they had to leave because they were in a similar situation. And they were going to foreclose and, and auction off our house. Um, and the day before that, she called me and she said, I don't know what just happened. Yesterday, this, this plan that I had presented to the underwriters was, uh, was not approved. Today, I, I submitted it again. I went and talked to them and they've approved it. If you can make this payment today, and it was, it was a low payment, then we'll keep you in your house. And this was two years after having not paid our mortgage for that much time. Two years with no payments. Two years. And so whatever, whatever miracle happened over and over again, it just happened for us. And... Um, and and we stayed in the home, and they modified our mortgage, and they 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 kept us in there, and we never lost the home. We got to stay in there, and and my kids, you know, they were young. They they would have been okay if we had to move somewhere, but 
my credit was shot at the time. I, I mean, I didn't have any money to go put down on anything. So mm-hmm. being able to stay in that home and weather that storm was everything because, I mean, that was an asset that was gaining equity for yeah. us. And, and so to come out of that years later and be able to actually sell it and, and make money on it was incredible. But That's I'll incredible. always remember that lady that just went beyond and she was like, I was up all night last night working on this and we're going to keep you in your home. That's and amazing. And so it was, it was such a blessing, but... And just to confirm, you you got down to where you had zero dollars, and then you got fifty dollars from your parents, and then bought some groceries, and then donated the rest to your church. The forty three, yeah, that's insane. And uh, there was there were some miracles that followed that I I just couldn't believe. And uh, but the greatest miracle of them all, like honestly, for my wife and I having a, a feeling of peace and confidence when you have nothing, it's it's kind of a it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But there was a peace and confidence in our life that day that we decided to fast and donate that forty three dollars. There was more confidence in my life than I've had in my entire life. When I when I've had plenty of money and when I've done and it was all because there was this there was this connection with God where I was completely under his control. Yeah. N- nothing else. It was all that's that's all we had. Yeah. And there's no greater feeling. I mean, I, I, I've been trying to work towards that feeling ever since mm-hmm. because there, there has been no other, you know, feeling of fulfillment and feeling of confidence, feeling of peace that I've had in my life than that day. Yeah, so interesting because that's what he wants is he wants us, you know, to rely on him yeah. and we can get distracted so fast. Yeah. That's wild. Did you have, through the tough times, did you have donations and food show up from people you have no idea how they even found out about you. Yeah. In fact, there's a there's a video that talks about if that uh, our Operation Conquer Hunger um, story and there's a picture in it and um, and it talks about a moment where my wife went into she put the our two youngest daughters or two oldest but they were young at the time that she put them in the tub and she went into her closet and she just started to pray telling God like I can't do it today. I need something. There's there's nothing. And uh, right as she said amen in her prayer, the doorbell rang. <laughs> and she, she called me, and she's like, she was in tears, and she's like, we've had another miracle. And she told me what had happened, and she said, our, fo- our, our, uh, our uh, entryway of the house is like completely covered in groceries. Like somebody came and left all these groceries. <laughs> and so there's this picture, though, that has my daughter, Hallie. She's pro- she was probably seven or eight at the time. And she's holding a bottle of cheese whiz, and she's just got the biggest smile on her face. <laughs> and we look at that, and we think, okay, we don't know who that was. I might have an idea, but it had to have been somebody that knew, that listened, that understood, that was super intentional with the groceries that they did buy. Because my daughter had a, she had cheese whiz on her wish list for Christmas and stuff like that. You no know? way. And so she was. You would have thought she struck gold. <laughs> and and we couldn't. It was cheese whiz. We couldn't even provide that for her at the time. You know. And so oh. she's got this bottle of cheese whiz, and it was just like the best day of her life. And so I know it was somebody that was that knew her enough. Yeah. That knew that would that would make a difference in her life. And so they were very intentional. Stuff like that would happen quite often, actually. Crazy. Where just the, the groceries would, would show up, but. And then you'd go to the grocery store sometimes, you know, and you approach the the cash register just hoping that your credit card would go through or your uh-huh. debit card. And I remember one time with that same daughter, Hallie, um, went to the store, got a few things, went up, and, and it was just decline, decline, oh. decline. And then the line behind us just started growing longer and longer. Oh. And I kept telling the lady at the cash register, like, ah, there's plenty of money in there. I don't know why this is, you know... She was one that could see the need. She yeah. could see the weight on the on my shoulders and the worry in my face, and she could see the young daughter that I had there with me and the things that we were getting. It wasn't like we were there buying a cake and ice cream. You basics, know? yeah. It was basics, and there was some medicine and and stuff. And the she saved me from the the shame and the embarrassment. And she just said, um, "All right, I said, let me run home. I'll get some cash. I'll bring bring it right back." And she said, "We'll take the stuff with you." And so she. She bagged it up just like I had paid for it, like it had gone through and let me take it home. And and I went home and we had this jar of cash and coins and I went through it and got enough, you know, and I was excited to get back there to, to pay her because I didn't want her to think I wasn't going to come back. And yeah. went back in and she wasn't at the same register. So I went and found her. I said, I've got it. And there was coins and there, you know, change. And 
And she, uh, she said, I've already taken care of it. Don't worry. You know, and it's just like, there's people in this world that are just incredible. And time and time again, I was just like, I want to be like these people, you know, and they're, they're multiplying their resources. They're multiplying their loaves and fishes and they're, they're, they're doing incredible things. And what I've found in life is that when you do that, when you multiply the resources that aren't yours, they're, they're given to you by God. It comes back just like the, the story of the loaves and the fishes. It comes back 12 baskets full. Man. And we've experienced that with Mountain Ops time and time again, where uh, we'll have somebody that wants to partner with us on an Operation Conquer Hunger, you know, like mm-hmm. a mountain tough. They say, hey, come up to Bozeman and let's do one of these. <laughs> it's like, this is incredible. Yeah, we'll come up and do this. And, and, uh, and time and time again, just it's multiplied and it comes back in yeah. ten, tenfold, twelvefold. And uh, so we started holding these Operation Conquer Hunger events. Um, I don't know what year it was, but we've been running this program for about six or seven years at Mountain Ops now. And we'll hold big, like four or five big events every year. We'll bring in three to 500 people and we'll pack 50 to 60,000 meals in a two hour period of time. And, uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible energy, just getting people in the room and, and, uh, sharing the story and why we're doing it, uh, letting them know the need that's, that exists. And a lot of times when we're letting them know the need, uh, there's people after that come up and with tears in their eyes, they're like that, that's me right now. I'm going through this. Yeah. Or I grew up in a home where we received these type, this type of help. And so it's not that our story is not, super uh uncommon it's a very common story common. a lot of people have gone through it uh especially people that have gone out and tried their wings at business and they're entrepreneurs and failure is really good for uh, you know to to learn <laughs> and to grow by and to and to find your way and a lot of people have been there and so our our story is not unique but uh we've got a unique platform that we've now applied what we've learned and and that is that is I think uncommon, but uh, we've got an incredible team that really wants to change the world and change people's lives. And so we hold these events; they're powerful. People come together and they serve together, and there's no greater satisfaction or fulfillment. Um, and so you know, soon we'll have one of those events here with you guys, and, and we're looking forward to that. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be incredible to have one in Montana and in Bozeman, and I know the valley needs it and i think the support that you know has kind of shown up already it's going to be it's going to be amazing yeah what did the first ever conquer hunger event look like it was um it was interesting because for for many years we just sent donations to like malawi africa or to feeding america and and it was kind of out of our hands we just wrote a check and then it was a youth group that uh, was trying to provide a service project for about 80 youth. And, uh, and they knew that we were doing these, this Conquer Hunger, but we had never done it locally. And so I was actually one of the, the youth leaders in this area at the time, and we were trying to find a service project. We talked to a food bank there in Utah and just said, hey, is there something we can do with food? We're donating all this this. Uh, all these funds to outside sources, but is there something we can do here? And they, they said, yeah, we've, we need to build these pantry packs for the school district here. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually the very first Operation Conquer Hunger event and packing program was done with 80 youth. <laughs> they were um, between the ages of 12 and 18. And we packed about five, I think it was around five or 6,000 meals. And it was the largest donation this food bank had ever received of these meals. And Mountain Ops funded it. We got all these kids, these Conquer Hunger Mountain Ops shirts, and uh, we put them on teams. So there was like a blue team and a white team. They had shirts that, for their colors. And all these news channels showed up for it. And they're like, we've never had this type of donation. What's going on here? And we told them, you know, Mountain Ops is sponsoring this youth event. And that was our first one. Man. And the, it was so powerful, the, the feeling. And these youth just loved it. And they were like, can we do this again? Can we do this again? And I thought, okay, we're, we're on to something here. Uh-huh. Um, and at the time, in our neighborhood, there was about 115 elementary schools in our district. And about 15 of them were on a waiting list for years to get into this program to receive these packs. And so we just said as a team, okay, let's take those schools off the waiting list. Let's dedicate our time and attention to this until we can get them off that waiting list. And then we'll start to expand outside of that county and then outside of Utah. And we've just grown that way while still maintaining some donations to Feeding America and to Malawi, Africa. And uh, so within about six months, we took those 15 schools off of the waiting list and we provided them what they needed. 
Um, in our in our local community, it's uh, 3,600 kids on every Friday get these packs. They go wow. home with these packs, and so that's for amazing. for a, a number of years now, we've been able to provide that those packs to them, and uh, and more so now that we've been able to take it outside of that county and into other states as well. But that was the first event. We line them up in like an assembly line. And, you know, we share the story, we turn on some music, and everyone just gets Starts to work packing. just packing them. And then these kids have something to go home with on the weekends. And if they need it during the week, they get it as well. Because on the weekends, you know, they don't have the breakfast at school. They don't have the lunch at school. And so most of the food that goes into them is uh, food that's easily prepared. A lot of them don't have parents at home during the weekend. So it's stuff that they don't have to spend time cooking. They can just mm-hmm. add water and and whatnot, and some some little snacks and treats for them as well. Um, but we've had kids come back, or parents come back, and tell us like, our kids will bring these packs home, and it's like a it's like Halloween where they come home with the, the big pack of candy and they pour it out on the floor. Check out, and everything. these kids pour it all out, and this is what they have. <laughs> but the cool thing is, as well, we put a little card in there, an Operation Conquer Hunger card, and on the back of it, it has a little message that says, you know, you're braver than you think, smarter than you uh, love more than you know. I, I forget the whole quote, but and then it ends with you were made to conquer. And uh, so more than even filling a belly, we're trying to inspire some hope and confidence in these kids. Yeah. And we're removing a distraction by removing the hunger. And it allows them to do better in school and with relationships and learning and growing and developing. And and hopefully they know that somebody's aware of them, somebody loves them, just like my daughter receiving that that bottle of cheese. Was, sorry for the, the sweaty eyes. We just had a great workout. So my eyes have been qu- pretty sweaty in here today, but it's just like my daughter receiving that and just feeling like, okay, yeah. things are good, you know? Yeah. And sometimes these kids don't feel that. Yeah. One and, thing can change their whole week, month, yeah. year. So it's it's been incredible. And just having that, uh, you know, Mountain Ops represented in that way, that's that's uh, everything that I could have ever hoped for from from our brand. So... And now, looking forward, compared to event number one, now some of these events, like 60,000 meals are getting packed. Yeah, yeah from wild. like 4,000 meals at the first one, 60,000 meals at uh, one of our last ones. And we just did a huge one out in uh, South Carolina. So we went across the country on Kiowa Island with a mid-states buy group that we work with. And uh and it was incredible. There was probably 300 people in the room all wearing these Operation Conquer Hunger shirts. Everyone that comes to these events, they get a Mountain Ops Operation Conquer Hunger shirt, has the logo, has a mountain, and somebody reaching down and lifting somebody up with They Rise Highest, mm-hmm. Who Lift As They Go is kind of the slogan for Operation Conquer Hunger. And uh, and it was incredible to just see everyone come together. And that that group that we worked with just said, we've, we've never had uh, uh, an experience like this that we've been able to provide it. Until you've been to one, it's really hard to understand the power that comes from it and the feeling that you get. Um, at the one at the Western Hunt Expo, we actually, two weeks before it, I reached out to Joe Pilcher. He was one of the founders of, of Mountain Ops. He's the one that designed the, the Mountain Ops logo, mm-hmm. and now he's doing his uh, wildlife artistry and, and is incredibly talented. But I I had been looking for a gift to give to people that come, and, and some there's people that give donations to Operation Conquer Hunger, and I wanted to recognize some of them at the Hunt Expo. And, uh, and I was searching for something, and all of a sudden I was like, call Joe Pilcher. He, you know, it's two weeks before, so I was like, Joel, I hate to do this to you, <laughs> but I need a loafs and fishes um, piece of artwork. Uh-huh. And can you draw me something? And you might have seen it on Instagram, but he went to work that day, literally, and he started drawing this, you know, this, the, the hands of the Savior with a few loaves and fishes in this basket. And uh, so we've had that now to present to, to people that, uh, that hold these events for us and, and to remember those opportunities and, and what, it, what it's all about, just duplicating, replicating, multiplying our resources. It's They're, so cool. And it, I love that depiction of them not even being our resources. And, and I want to always look at things that way. Like what I've been given is not mine, but it is, it's, it's something I have stewardship over and I need to do everything I can um, to be wise with it and yeah. to help those in need with, with, with what's been given to me. To put it to use. Yeah. yeah. And the, the model, the model now is, I'm assuming, really close to the model you drew on those slide decks back in the day. Yeah. But the model that's making most of this happen is that a percentage of every mountain ops sale is going to the conquer hunger 
uh, campaign, correct? Yeah. Every order provides a meal to a child in need. And there's times throughout the year, like on our anniversary sale, we'll up it to 10 meals you know, per order just to give some uh, emphasis and some awareness to the to the problem that's out there with with hunger mm-hmm. and and our desire to really conquer it um, you know one one order one meal one child at a time and that's that's what we're trying to do and so creating awareness around this is super important for us and it's a beautiful system because people buy products to benefit their own lives and at the same time it's providing a benefit to to a child or a family in need and so it's Dang. just a it's a beautiful system that people have bought into. They mm-hmm. love it. They see the benefits from our product, which is great. And I'm so grateful that so many people can provide supplementation for their nutrition that way because it does it it ends up being the resource that provides for those that uh, that we're working with. That's so. wild. Did you ever imagine it would get this big? Honestly, no. Like my my wife and I just we made that commitment and it <laughs> it wasn't for the masses. It yeah. was just because we knew like um we knew the need we had felt it and so we just wanted to do something you know mm-hmm. and uh i always felt like there was a calling in life for us to do something like this and that maybe it would be something big you know but i i didn't know how big and it didn't necessarily matter how big it was just as long as we were contributing mm-hmm. and uh and so I think we've just kind of, as things have gone, we've we've taken advantage of opportunities that have been placed in in our path and people to work with that have been placed in our path, and and it's been a team effort that's made all the difference. Like we couldn't have done this on our own. It takes a mountain ops team, it takes community, it takes partners, um, and then it it just is incredible what people coming together can do with one another. Yeah. And interdependence is one of our core values at Mountain Ops. And so we see it as such. We can do so much more collectively than we could do uh, individually. Yeah, and so, so that's what we've done. We've just tried to work with the right people that have the same values and and uh, and then it just multiplies and we can all do more together um, working with one another. And so yeah, it's, a, it's a huge blessing and, and never could I have imagined what... Uh, what God would do for us, you know, as, yeah. as we've let him prevail in our lives and, and uh, just kind of tried to follow what he inspires us to do. How have, how have you seen it impact hiring, retaining key talent in growing the company culture? Yeah, that's, it's all, I mean, everyone wants to be tied to something important, right? The way that I look at business is it's a resource for life. And Mountain Ops is kind of a university of life. We're all there to progress and to learn from one another. Um, there's there's really not a lot of ego at Mountain Ops at all. Everyone's there for the right reasons. And so um, uh, Cheryl Mountier, for example, she is our director of Operation Conquer Hunger. Um, she was on a call with Weston earlier today, and he got off the call super excited, saying, man, there was tears on that call and this and that. They were planning out this Conquer Hunger event. She's been with us for over eight years now, um, and most of our team has been with us for like they they're with us and they're there for a long time. You know, yeah. um, there's certain talent pool like uh, in videography or whatnot. They, they they seem to stick around a little uh, a little shorter, but most of yeah. them they stick around. But they they uh, they're they're attached to the mission. They're attached to the core values that drive that mission. And I always look at those core values and I think, okay, these are words written on the wall of our office. They're written, written on the website, but honestly, they're written on the hearts of the individuals that work there. And, uh, and so many of them have said, this is my brand. This is my mission. And that's what I want them to feel. I want them to feel ownership over it. It might've started somewhere. And I've, I, you know, I've founded this business with the Harbertson brothers and Joe Pilcher and Nick Hanks and just incredible individuals that all wanted to do the right thing and to have mm-hmm. core values that would lead that the right way. And, uh, but then to have team members come on board, um, that buy into it as theirs, that that's like huge satisfaction for me because I want everyone to feel like it is theirs, you know, Mm. um, and to feel ownership over what we're doing to improve lives. And so it definitely, it it gives them an ability to not have to feel like I've got to go home and compartmentalize my life and now go and serve, which they, they do on their own as well. But to feel like you can get a lot of your service and contribution in life all in one place yeah. and you don't have to separate it so much is beneficial for people's time and the priorities as well. And so we've tried to wrap a lot of what we'd like to do in life into the business of Mountain Ops mm-hmm. um, so that we don't have to uh, exhaust our time and efforts outside of the walls of Mountain Ops. So that's kind of what we've tried to create with the culture there. That's crazy. 
Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing like what a mission and a purpose will do for human hearts. It's kind of like what we're all searching for. Yeah. And filling that void changes the game pretty fast. Yeah, and I found that mission-driven individuals have an ability to endure the challenges of life and the mountains that they face more than any other people. Yeah. And not everyone's mission-driven, but when you remove just the transactional aspect of business and you have a mission tied to it, there has to be transactions, right? You have to go after that. You have to provide a good product, good quality that people want to buy. Um, but then when you attach a mission to it, I when I first started my supplement business in 2010 called Phoenix Nutrition, my mission was my father. And that business didn't take off right away, mm-hmm. but it was starting to improve my father's life. And so for years, I was able to endure because it was changing his life. It was changing my family's life. It was changing a lot of people that have heart disease. Yeah. It was changing their life. And so it was okay that we weren't making all the money that we wanted to make. It was changing lives. Yeah. And so I, I've just found that uh, you attach yourself to a mission that you truly believe in, that you even feel called to do, and you can endure the test of time. And sometimes you just got to let time do the hard work. Mm-hmm. For me, not being the smartest man in the room, time has been putting time in and letting time do the hard work has been one of my greatest assets and abilities is to just weather the storms, stick to it, grit, you know, all those things, resilience. Like sometimes it's, I, people jump from one thing to another too quickly before the grass gets green. And I think if people just stuck to something that they could really sink their teeth into with mission, they, they'd see the, th- the those things come to fruition. And, and we've seen it with mountain ops. We've seen it in, in life. And uh, so having a mission is super important. Yeah. And you're a, you're a super positive and optimistic guy and spirit, but with your background of going through that real major life crisis, have you, have you had difficulties being CEO with like, like imposter syndrome thoughts or thoughts of like, this could all crash and burn tomorrow. Do you Mm -hmm. struggle with that stuff? Um, in certain realms, you know, there's in certain realms, there's fear knocking on my door a lot mm. of the time. Um, uh, I don't want to go back to some of those things, you know, but, uh, um, and I want to make sure that those that are in my stewardship that are under my care, that they're taken care of and that they don't have to suffer that way. Um, and so, yeah, every once in a while it's, there's, there's some doubts, there's some fear, but we've had a history now with our business and and we've built a community that's just so sound and structured. And what brings me a lot of confidence is that I know we're on a mission and I know who it's directed by. Our mm-hmm. number one core value at Mountain Ops is to recognize God. Mm-hmm. And we and we try to do that even in, in the workplace and we acknowledge his hand in all things. And so knowing and feeling that we've been directed to do this, we're, we're doing it for a purpose, um, that doesn't mean that things always go easy. I, I think that there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot of mountains he wants us to climb and learn from. But uh, one of the things that brings me the most confidence in it outside of God and, and feeling like we're really on a mission with something is is the team that's been assembled. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I look around at the team, and that's honestly, honestly been one of the greatest um, blessings in my life is being a part of assembling a team like the, the folks at Mountain Ops. Um, and seeing them come together with so many strengths, it's just incredible. Our, our, our uh, commitment to each other this year is a commitment to conquer by focusing on strengths, not trying to make weaknesses strengths, but we're, we're each, if each of the individuals have so many strengths that we're really honing in on and putting them to work in the, in the most meaningful way that we can. And our team's incredible, and so I have a lot of confidence in the people that are there and their loyalty and their, their, uh, their, you know, their faith and their ability to... Mm-hmm to abide by the core values and, and their desire to. And so that re- that helps remove some of the doubts or the fears that sometimes knock on your door. But um, but I, I feel inadequate a lot of the time. I, mm-hmm. I mean, almost every day. And sometimes it's because I look at the people I'm working with and I'm like, why am, why am I here? You know, this, <laughs> yeah. this, these people are incredible. And yeah. how, how can I, what can I do to help them or support them? And, um, but they help me feel feel okay about what I'm doing as well. So we've just got an incredible environment. Uh, it's a very uh, open and vulnerable environment where people share their feelings and share their 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 stresses in life. And 
that that makes things possible to like work through feelings and and and, and such as well. Every every month or actually every week, we do what we call our How I Conquer um, series, and every employee is assigned a Tuesday of the year where they share their How I Conquer story. They talk about doubts that they've had in life, but mm-hmm. they first start with their foundation, what they learned as a child, and they show pictures of their childhood, and then they talk about some of the mountains they faced, some of the mountains they're facing now, how they're conquering it, which core value at Mountain Ops helps them conquer most, wow. and then how will they measure their life? Yeah. So ultimately, at the end, how do they want to be known, and what will the legacy be that they they want to leave behind? And it's been incredible for to see these these team members open up and just be vulnerable, and it's it's anywhere from fathers that that stuff that they've suffered is fathers that have committed suicide to infertility to um I, I don't know the list goes on and on but to hear their stories and to hear how they're conquering and hear how the brand of mountain ops is helping them conquer That's and the core values and then it just it brings it all together and it's a human experience we're all going through sometimes we make things so business oriented and sometimes people are are a certain way in the name of business and it's just like let's just all recognize that we're working towards a common goal, a common mission. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to need each other. And because we act that way at mountain ops, it, it, a lot of times those fears can just go away Yeah, because we all know that we're there to support each other. It's a safe environment to fail as long as we're uh, learning, testing and applying, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have that type of structure, then, then the fears can, can go away. But that's amazing. And it's so rare too. It's very rare in the business world to see a culture set up that way and extremely rare for a brand to be open about their faith. Like it's a really proud of you from my perspective for doing that. Like it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And it's, it's really rare in the world for anyone to build a faith-based brand. So definitely acknowledge you for job well done on that yeah i appreciate that yeah and i and i honor and respect and revere everyone's beliefs that at mountain ops there's there's a diverse group um different beliefs um and i recognize that not all not everyone believes the same way as me mm-hmm. even in the the community that we offer products to and that's okay like um some people see it as just a higher power or energy in the universe and whatever it is it's great like i i do i do feel like for me it's god right and uh, but whatever it is that people people can find strength from, they should look to that higher ground. They should look to that higher power, whatever it may be, to find that source of strength and peace and comfort and confidence. And and I applaud people as well that that can utilize that strength because it's there. It exists, and and uh, I'm just grateful that uh, I've had that support and that uh, that foundation. And I look to my parents. I mean, that's that's the foundation they built for me. And uh, they helped me uh, in in that way growing up, and and I don't see any reason why to uh, to leave that, you know. And and I once had somebody tell me, "Hey, you post a lot about your faith, your family. You're you're, you're a father, a husband. Your page would probably grow a lot faster if you'd stop <laughs> posting that stuff. Just post the hunting." And I was like, well, "That that's who I am. I don't care if the followers don't come. Like yeah. I want to be true to me. I, I honestly have a hard time compartmentalizing." things for business, um, yeah. church, family, community. It's like, I am who I am. Yeah. And the most frustrating things in my life has, at times in my life have been where I feel like I couldn't be who I wanted to be or who I was around certain people and, and being able to be me and yeah. allowing people to be them and celebrating that. You know, you look at the core value of recognizing God and people ask, how do you implement that in, in a workplace? Um, and it has nothing to do with religion. It has something to do with faith and, and a connection to a higher power. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell them, like, yes, we pray before a meeting every once in a while. You know, every Tuesday we have a morning huddle, and, and we'll say a prayer to start that that day. Um, but one of the greatest ways for me is to recognize good in individuals. Because when we recognize good, in my opinion, we're recognizing God. We're recognizing yeah. the divine and the strengths that, that have been given to those individuals from Him. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we could all accept that no matter what our beliefs are. Yeah, let's let's recognize the good. Yeah. And then that that is divine. That's that's a source of strength from from some higher power, you know? Yeah. And for me, it's from God. So Yeah, recognizing miracles. Yeah. Like how else could this have happened? Or mm-hmm. or look how this happened at the perfect time yeah. in the perfect moment. And I've I love the hunting industry in that regard. 
because when we started Mountain Ops, I had never hunted before. Mm. And yeah, I loved at first that I could go out and provide food for my family. But we took my dad on his first hunt when he was um, 77 years old and he got an antelope and it was incredible. But at the end of it, I mean, in tears, just like me, you know, getting emotional, <laughs> I get it from, from my parents. He said, I haven't fallen in love with hunting, but I have fallen in love with what hunting can do for relationships. Mm-hmm. And it was just a powerful statement. I personally have fallen in love with hunting, with what it does and 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 how incredible it is, the adventure and, and everything that goes into it. But most importantly, I have fallen in love with what it has done for relationships. To be out there on the mountain with my my wife and my kids and seeing them experience it, um, and then to bring uh, friends along and to be the pioneer of hunting in my family. My mom shot a bull uh, two years ago at the age of 75. That's crazy. And uh, incredible experience. Um, but while I'm out hunting, I'm di- I'm, it's those moments where you can turn off the cell phone. There's not a lot of service. You can be undistracted out there. And those relationships that matter most, they're given the time and attention that they need. And you're in the creations that God has given us. And I, I always tell my kids when we're out there, like, look at every, all the beauties that surround us. And look at the creations, but make sure that you look at the creator because of that and recognize that, that there was a creator in all this. Yeah. And, and so those relationships that matter most, they're, they're brought to the forefront in hunting for me. And it's been one of the most incredible ways to just experience that connection. And uh, I've gotten to a point now, I've been fortunate to be able to hunt all over the world. And, and as, as, an, as a new hunter, I've been spoiled, <laughs> right? And, and we'll go to Africa together this, this year, and that'll be an incredible experience. I've been there a few times, been to New Zealand, been to Alaska, hunted here in Montana and in Utah and Colorado. And I, I've just been spoiled because of this industry and the yeah. opportunity with Mountain Ops, but I've, I've absolutely loved it. I'm at a, uh, a point in my life now where I was thinking the other day, it's not it's not FOMO. It's not fear of missing out, but it's like FUMO. I don't know. That's another acronym. Fear of other of others missing out. Like yeah. my desire right now is to tell as many people, friends and family, especially first, like you've got to do this. You've got to try this. And now, and then watching their joy and satisfaction and getting out into the outdoors and experiencing it. It's like going to a movie or going to a good restaurant and you just want people to, to oh, understand yeah. it and see it or to taste it, you know? That's what hunting has become for, for me now is like taking my kids, taking relatives, whoever will listen. Yeah. Nick Hanks, our COO at Mountain Ops and, and one, of the, one of the partners there, um, just he surprised me last year with this. He said, I got my hunter safety. He's been at Mountain Ops since the beginning as well. Finally, he decided to get it. So immediately I reached out to an individual and said, can we come and hunt with you this fall? <laughs> and lined up a, an elk hunt. It was more fun to watch him than it ever was to, to, to hunt myself, you know, and to see his expressions when, when that happened and the emotion, when we approached that bull and almost every day, this last week, I've gotten a text every night from him with the steaks that he's cooking, (laughs) you know, the burgers that he's making. He's like, dude, this is incredible. Like, (laughs) and, and I just like, I know this is what I've been telling you about, you know? So I just don't want others to miss out on that. And, uh, and so there's there's so much to be gained um, through this industry that we we get to be a part of, and I, I just feel blessed to to be a part of it for sure. It's so true and so amazing. And it, last year at Mountain Tough, the big call to action for our community was do something really challenging and make sure you do it outside. That's so cool. it's like doing something challenging a little bit harder than you think you can do so like if uh if a half marathon is super scary super intimidating for you and the furthest you've ever ran is a 10k we were challenging people do the half maybe even do the full it needs to be a lot harder than you think and we know you'll accomplish it and we know that folks doing it outside is where all the magic happens and it's like it's seeing creation in the fresh air. Plus most of these events have a community aspect and it was amazing. It was so life-changing for so many people because it's that breaking through barriers that creates all this life change and hunting, especially like Western mountain hunting takes care of most of those problems for you. It's like, you're outdoors in a like-minded community most of the time and you're going to have to struggle and you're going to have to fail. And backcountry hunting is a whole lot of failure most of yeah. the time. And 
the fresh air and the vitamin D, like all these things just start changing your life. And then the fact that you get to bring all that food home is amazing. And this year we've been kind of tweaking that a little bit when we talk to people because we don't want folks to think that they have to go to Alaska or they have to go to Montana because these great, really challenging, amazing adventures are all over the country and they're all over the globe. It's like the Appalachian Mountains are spearfishing in Florida. All of these events can create the same life change and life transformation. It's about kind of getting into that like-minded community and doing something way harder than you thought you could and doing it outside it's like you see someone's whole life trajectory take like a right turn. Yeah. It's so cool. That's awesome. I love that. I yeah, we had an experience doing something similar. It wasn't hunting, but it. Uh, we all know Truett Haynes, Cam Haynes, Truett's son. Uh, sorry, Cam Haynes, not Truett's son. Truett is Cam Haynes' son. <laughs> but he started working for Mountain Ops about three years ago, and in that first month that he was there, he was he was out to beat David Goggins' pull up record. Well, uh, next week he'll be going for a Guinness Book of World Record uh, in the Mountain Ops gym. But I visited him that day um, with my family, and his hands were just torn to shreds on that, just, you know, doing those pull-ups. And I was so inspired by what he was doing, and I was watching my kids, like, inspired by him as well. Yeah. And so in that moment, I just said, true, you've got to challenge me to do something beyond what I've done before. Mm-hmm. And he's immediately he was like, run a marathon. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And he's like, less than 1% of Americans or the world population is run, run a, marath- a marathon. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And, uh, and I wasn't a runner at all. I've had knee issues with some surgeries and such and that I've, I've had corrected. But um, So I, I looked for the hardest marathon I could find close to home. Like you're saying, you can find it right around where oh, you're yeah. at, you know. And, um, and my 40th birthday was coming up. And so this, this marathon in Moab, Utah, it was a trail marathon happens to be like they call it the mother of all trail mar- marathons uh, and uh so i thought this is going to be a one and done because i do not want to do this but i've i've accepted the challenge i'm going to do it it's on my 40th birth the week of my 40th birthday actually and so then i started challenging everyone at mountain ops you got to do this with me and i I'd tell them if you love me you would and uh, i got a few <laughs> friends to come and do that but we had close to 40 people that came down to run either their first half or full marathon with me while I ran that as well. Man. And it was, and but I, I put in the effort, like I, I hired a coach to help me run yeah. um, and he was checking in with me and I was running the mountains of, of, of the Wasatch Front there close to the Mountain Ops office every single day. Like I was, I was putting in the time and it made all the difference to do the training, to put in the work because when it came time to run those hills uh, in, in Moab, I, I ran them with a smile on my face for about 20 miles. <laughs> and then the last, it, they played a trick on you there. And it is, it is hard. It's a difficult run, but it's beautiful to be outside and to, and to, to be um, in the, those creations. But the, where I was coming down off of, this, off of this canyon and I could see the finish line. And it's one of those races that's so remote. You can't have spectators along the way cheering you on. I think there's, I think there's an adrenaline rush with spectators on most marathons where it kind of pushes you forward. Yeah. This one, you're on your own and you're in your head. And, uh, but I literally had a smile on my face, like most of the time. And then when I saw that finish line, I was like, great, this is awesome. Cause I'm, I'm wearing out. And right as you get there, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, this is, I'm not to 26 miles yet. And they let you pass the finish line and then you go and run three more miles, but it's like uphill and there's a ladder you've got to climb. There's a rope you've got to like, it's like a fake finish, a fake finish. No way. And so you've got to go and it feels like you're going uphill um, the whole <laughs> no time. Way. And uh, I crossed that finish line and my whole time, like when I was training, I, I had pictured my family at the end of the finish line. That was like the goal for me. Yeah. Knowing, and I'd get <laughs> not surprised by now. I'd get emotional on my practice runs, like without training. I'm just like picturing my family and crossing the finish line with my arms up and everything. But it was everything I could do to get my arms up when I was crossing <laughs> that finish line. And I saw them, and the emotion was there, and it was incredible. And at the time when I was done, I was like, I can't just stop here. Like, mm-hmm. now I know I can do this. What, what's next? How much more can I go? Yeah. And at, at Mountain Ops, that's the conquer more mentality. It's, it's like you're saying, like, challenge people to do something more than they've ever done. Yeah. And, uh, and to find it, you can find it all around you. And, uh, so that's that's what we're looking for next. I don't yeah. know if maybe I should ask you right now, what should I do next, man? I, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm excited for for a new challenge. I'm looking for it right now. And uh, 
And it's, it's just incredible to see with time and attention in areas of strength and training and that type of thing, you, we can do and accomplish so much. I, the workout we just did with you was, it was, it was difficult <laughs> and maybe, maybe I just need to work up to coming back in a, in a certain period of time and crushing that workout with you guys again and doing it a little bit better. But man, you guys, you guys are strong, you're tough and uh, definitely mentally tough as well. And, and so that I was inspired just by the workout today. But to do it as a team was incredible. And we experienced the same thing down in Moab. We had a, a huge team there to do yeah. it together, you know? Yeah. And we all finished at different times, and it didn't matter. Like, everyone finished. and uh, Supporting so, each other. Yeah. It's amazing. I think I might know what's next, potentially. Uh-oh. There's, a, <laughs> there's an amazing guy named Chad Connolly, and he has an organization that's 50 for the fallen. So he organizes 50Ks. Rucks, so it's oh, wow. it's a fifty k ruck with I think fifty five pounds in your pack, and it's all for the fallen of recent combat events. <clears throat> so guys and gals that we have lost, and he's kind of rallying the troops right now to get events going on all over the country on September eleventh. Wow! So that. <clears throat> Like we could be having one in Bozeman, and then there's going to be folks in like DC. There'll be folks by the Pentagon, and all he's organizing them so they all finish at the same time. Oh, and cool. so, like our 50 in Bozeman with a group would finish the same time as one in DC. That is awesome. All around eight o'clock in the morning on September 11th. Wow. But it's well, you'll have to get me some more information on that. That sounds like an incredible challenge and a meaningful one with yeah. a lot of purpose. So yeah, I that's think, awesome. I think it, it could be really amazing. I think it'll push a lot of people and be something harder than they've done before, which we know will change lives. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. It's, it's a real great honor to have you in the lab. It's kind of, it's kind of insane and surreal thinking about like the mountain tough journey and your journey and that we're sitting in the same building today. It's pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah. The paths have been so parallel for a long time <laughs> and I've known about you and I've known, I haven't known all the details of your story as I've learned it. I'm just blown away with who you are, what you're about and how you're doing things. And and the core values that resonate between the two companies and brands is is incredible. It, it uh, I'm glad that we're finally you know in this partnership working together and improving lives together. Um, I definitely feel like it it's meant to be, and and we have a lot to do together. So grateful for the opportunity as well. Yeah, likewise, and God's timing's perfect. So I'm sure there's a reason why yeah. we finally are in the same building yeah. this year. It's yeah, pretty and cool. you guys, your building's incredible. Your team's incredible. You guys, you just have. You have all the right uh, ingredients for the success that you're having and uh, appreciate you letting us be a part of the journey. So, Well, thanks, Trevor. I know we got a, a dinner and another workout tomorrow morning. Another workout <laughs> if I can move tomorrow. That's awesome. No, I'm looking forward to it. So. Awesome. Okay. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you.